Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Female Founders Network, a podcast brought to you by invoice to go I'm your host, Nat, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sylvie. Hey, everyone. We record our show in the Forbes Street studio in downtown Sydney, Australia, but we bring guests from all over the world. So you'll hear people from the U.S., the United Kingdom, Europe, the Asia Pacific, anywhere that we find women who lead and inspire others. This is a great podcast for women who are navigating business ownership, leadership, or just life. Each episode should connect you with someone else's story, but also leave you with practical tips and advice that you can use in your own life and in your own business. Hey guys, today we're talking to Carmel, Inez, and Alana, a mother and two sisters who run several businesses together, most notably the Baby Elephant Boutique Hotel in Cambodia and a catering company turned food delivery service in Queensland, Australia. The COVID pandemic meant this family had to pivot all their businesses in order to survive and retain their staff of over 80 people. Their story is pretty amazing and we hope you enjoy this episode. Hey guys, so happy to have you on the show. Um, This is our first show that we have an entire family for a family business. Welcome. Thank Thank you. you. Very excited. Thank you. Beautiful. So can we actually hear a little bit about each of you? We've got mom and two sisters. So can we hear a little bit about your backgrounds and where you come from and how you came to be in business together? Sure. Well, mom has to go first, I think. So I'm Carmel. And I was born in Brisbane in Queensland, sunny Queensland, a long time ago, but I've moved all over Queensland and I've, I am a traveller. Um, but we're talking about business. So I've been working since I was 12 years old and I left school at 15. Wow. Um, hospitality is an area you can work without any education. So I've done everything from peeling potatoes um, right through to managing and consulting roles. And mm. my lifelong desire has been to be in business. Um, I think of myself as a social entrepreneur now, um, creating opportunities for others, especially in the hospitality and tourism sector, because you don't need a big education. So it really is a a way of um, becoming empowered through employment. Beautiful. So that's mum. Yeah. And I have two beautiful daughters. Yeah. So my name's Inez. I, I live in Toowoomba. I recently relocated here about three months ago from Melbourne. Um, where I was working remotely, uh, helping with the different businesses, family businesses. Um, nice. Pre- yeah, the other part of my life is a musician. So, oh, um, wow. cool. Yeah, before uh, working with the family, I was working with music and arts businesses um, in admin and finance and radio. So, but always hospitality has been in the background when. You know, to prop yeah. up and yeah. uh, to prop up the bank account, <laughs> of course, yeah. Um, and when gigs aren't on, so um, yeah, so it was just natural that when the opportunity came along to work with the family that I that I jumped at it. So, well, yeah, that's a beautiful that's, life too. I actually, I was like, I think I was most jealous of Alana's life, and now I'm like, oh, Melbourne musician sounds pretty fun too. <laughs> <laughs> and they both travel. You know, extensively. So, oh, beautiful. Yeah. beautiful. Oh, talk, life now has to be post, pre and post-COVID, I think. So, mm. yeah. Um, yeah, so Inez travels a lot to America and different areas, Japan, traveling with her bands. Beautiful. Yeah. Do you feel like that inspires you more with your businesses to travel and to experience other things? Oh, absolutely. Mm. It's um, It's been very difficult to to stay still and sort of uh, realign those um, goalposts of when you're used to hopping overseas every, you know, six months or yeah. once a year or so. So, but it's also exciting to, you know, um, think about the lovely places in Australia that you can visit 
Um, right. Even, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then your sister yeah. Ilana is in Cambodia, right? I'm just, uh, I'm calling you <laughs> from Cambodia. Um, sunny CM Reap. Uh, it's, yeah, it's gorgeous day here. So I've been living in Cambodia for five years now. Uh, before that, I was based in Indonesia. Uh, and I've spent a number of years working in um, the Southeast Asia region. So were you working for someone else or were you working for yourself? Uh, in my previous roles were working for other people, but I've always been, I've always sort of had freelance projects on the go. Gotcha. Um, my yeah. Background is media and marketing, okay. uh, but I've, I've worked the entire gamut. So that means uh, public relations, communications, um, yeah, digital marketing, content creation, you name it. Um, I've well, that, done it. <laughs> yeah, that is, those are handy skills to have when you're opening a business, eh? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I really believe that. Yeah, you guys kind of have the perfect mix between the hospitality expertise and you've got the work ethic and you've got the marketing expertise. So... So how did they come together? Um, I think we've we've worked with mum for since we were little kids. So mum has always worked ex- incredibly hard um, and always in hospitality, so in, in pubs or cafes. Um, so even when we were uh, kids, we, were, we would finish school and go and help her out or around the pool table and play some pool. <laughs> Nice. Um, but then, yeah, throughout yeah. <laughs> throughout our teen years, we we started working in the cafes, and um, I think Alana, you you worked as a, a glassy for a while in one of the nightclubs, and so um, glassy yeah. is a, what is a glassy? What would Americans think? Because we've got people listening from all over the world, so uh, yes. like so like someone <laughs> who's just like that's clean, an very Australian yeah. term, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So 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 someone who's like cleaning up the the glassware. Yeah. Yes. I just, yeah, made sure the tables were clean so people could dance without breaking glass. Oh, beautiful. (laughs) Well, those things matter, right? It's the little things that make a hospitality establishment run well. Yeah. (laughs) But now you have six businesses together. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. Um, So we have the four businesses in Cambodia, which Alana might like to go over. I'd love to. And Uh, so... (laughs) We have a group of um, businesses. We, we call it the Baby Elephant Group. We launched with Baby Elephant Boutique Hotel in 2015. Um, from there, we extended to include a guest house, uh, which is just right next door, so operates as part of the same uh, ecosystem. But then um, last year, we also expanded to include a social enterprise um, beauty spa and a yoga studio. Wow. So there's, they, they work so very much. well together. So you yes. guys opened a boutique hotel. So you saw a need for like a nice boutique hotel with some sort of social initiative or what is your spin, your unique offering? Um, yeah, well, we've, uh, what we quickly realized was that we needed um, to help people. And as yeah. my mom probably, I think my mom's keen to take over and answer this. So oh, okay. <laughs> maybe I'll leave it to her. Yeah, Carmel, let us know what happened. Yeah, so for me, I've always worked with people who are in the most vulnerable areas of life. So every day I wake up and I think, you know, I need to help. Who can I help today? Yeah. So I was actually living in Bangladesh and poorer areas of China for a long time. Wow. And I wanted to find a base in Asia um, because I felt there was a very big need. And Cambodia was actually introduced to me from a female um, businesswoman, friend, really good friend of mine. Yeah. And once I got there, I can tell you, I, I just, it fits. So your first business, you've got six businesses now, but your first business mm-hmm. was this baby elephant boutique hotel. So could you tell me how that started? Like how that came to be? 
Baby Elephant Boutique Hotel was uh, a dream, basically, of going to Cambodia to help um, people in a small, small, very poor country. Mm. Um, and it had to be in tourism because that's one of the, um, the big industries of Cambodia is tourism. So we found this oh, absolutely cute little boutique hotel, uh, 13 rooms, and at that stage it had 1.5 staff. Members. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so now we have over 25 staff members. We've had some of our staff have gone through university and um, we started the dream of creating employment and training opportunities for the poorest of the poor. Wow, wow. that's amazing. So incredible. Yeah, oh, it's just wonderful to help people. So you've got this you've got this boutique hotel, you've got the Baby Elephant Hotel. You guys have found it and you've redone it in some way. Did you redecorate it? You branded it? You turned it into a thriving business? What did that look like? And then what came next? Uh, we came, the, the sort of, we decided it was important to have a really strong mission and vision uh, early on. Um, so yeah. we crafted a... a mission that was about, well, our tagline is uh, creative, sustainable, ethical, sustainable, and creative. Um, so that means um, it, in regards to ethical, we were creating empowered, safe work environments. Uh, so we did a lot of renovations in terms of workspaces and making it very professional, mm. um, including departmentalizing the hotel. That means having a you know clearly defined housekeeping department, for example, which in a lot of small businesses and a lot of um, small hotels here you wouldn't find. Mm. Uh, the next part, um, sustainable. We've done everything we can, uh, including having like an, an audit by an environmental scientist uh, to become as sustainable as possible and to make sure that our impact on the environment here is positive rather than negative mm. um, because uh, over-tourism can be a, a problem in areas like this. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, creative means we try to support locally based artists and musicians uh, in order that we can help the art scene to thrive too. Uh, And so what you'd notice when you come to visit us is that it's beautifully decorated. We have art by local artists, um, uh, furnishings and little features and little touches that are are all done by locally based or local artists. Yeah, beautiful. So how did you, you've got your mission, you set up this beautiful business. How did you get people to come to the, the hotel? How did you market yourselves? It's quite complicated to market um, to because Angkor Wat is a religious monument, the biggest one in the world, and it's uh-huh. a bucket list destination globally. Okay. Um, so de- defining uh, who your target market is, is when it's pretty much everybody, it, it, the target market is anyone who wants to come and visit Angkor Wat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can be quite complicated. So uh, it, that's actually a pretty interesting question to ask. Um, what we did was really sort of start to map out in terms of who do we want to attract to come and visit. And so we wanted people who were uh, responsible travellers, people who, uh, for example, digital nomads, um, educated travellers, people who cared about their impact on Cambodia when they they came to visit. Uh, So through that, we started to niche more. And that came through connections as well, like making sure that we're attracting for example, a lot of journalists stay with us. Um, yeah. A lot of people who work in the, the bigger NGOs like uh, the UN or um, embassy staff will stay with us. Yeah. So making sure, and even um, expats who live in the region, so people who are traveling here from Singapore. Um, and we've made it a full service hotel. That means have 
having a restaurant and a spa, having yoga um, activities to do, uh, which means it's for people who aren't just hopping in to see Angkor, but people who are really wanting to have a good vacation. Yeah. It sounds like a beautiful place that I really want to escape to right now. (laughs) I mean, I wish I could, but with COVID happening and obviously closing borders, how has that affected your business right now? Are you finding that there's not as many people? And have you, yeah, and have you pivoted in any way? Uh, I think towards late February or throughout February, we just watched all of our bookings. I mean, the upcoming for the next our booking sheet, usually we're looking two to three years in advance and they all went out the window. I would say 99% of our bookings were cancelled. Yeah, um, oh we quickly um, did, uh, you know, projections based on the idea of, okay, if we have zero income for the next six months, how does that look? Yeah. We also quickly did staff meetings and said, what do you want to do? Um, you know, if we shut the doors, what's going to happen for you because of the um, seriousness of the backgrounds that our staff come from? So we made sure that it was an open conversation with them about the situation. Yeah. And they all told us that they really needed to keep their jobs. So we decided to stay open. And, um, yeah, and pivot, uh, which meant changing our, you know, room rate structure so that we, uh, the people who were sort of stranded in Cambodia could come and stay with us long term. Mm. Um, then, uh, doing things like going online with our food and having food delivery. Um, but the biggest, uh, thing we did was start a gift voucher drive. So asking people to commit to a visit within the next three years, uh, by buying a gift voucher. And that wow. helped with really urgent cash flow. Beautiful. So you put together um, a gift voucher guide, but it's it's got like, you know, three years to travel. So you guys can keep the lights on now. And then did you? Yes. So when you put together this voucher, because vouchers are a thing that, you know, small businesses are doing now. There are other people in other industries offering, you know, gift cards for the future and things like that. Did How did you work out how will we fulfill all of these in the future? Or how did you know what to do? We just hoped that no one was going to be, we just knew no one was going to be getting here too quickly. So we sort of just worked it out on the, on the go. Yeah. Um, we've only had a few people who've actually made it here so far to use their gift vouchers. Okay. Um, but what's been really heartwarming is that uh, some people have been buying gift vouchers for people who work in local charities here. So they buy a gift voucher for someone who's working really hard, um, maybe in a volunteer position, and then they're able to come and enjoy a a day at maybe the elephant or in our spa. So it's had um, a really positive effect, not just for us, but for also for people working in charities, but people are buying them for Cambodians as well so that Cambodians can enjoy a day here or pampering session. Uh, One of the most heartwarming stories was one gift voucher was bought for a family who literally the day after they left their staycation here with us, um, gave birth to a baby. Oh, so, wow. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. That's so beautiful. The gift voucher is awesome. What an amazing kind of quick thinking pivot, pivot as well yeah. to, to have like localized tourism in that way. Yeah. And it's a way people can give back too. Like it sounds like, you know, your customers or clients, they kind of took it, they kind of got creative with it right? Because they're now giving back yes. to people. Yeah. With- Do you think the gift voucher is something that you're going to continue after COVID and keep that initiative going, even when tourism returns back to normal? Um, we've found that it's slowed down in, its, in terms of its effectiveness now. So we've decided it's um, time to do a GoFundMe. So we're also doing a, a fundraising drive. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But I would say we will have to really rethink 
whether, yeah, I'm not sure if it will continue to be useful after COVID, but uh, in some ways, I think we would, again, using the word pivot, but maybe pivot that idea a little and start to look at more structured packages. So the gift vouchers at the moment are like spend $50 and then use it on services or uh, stay. But instead, it might be more like um, buy this package and that's the gift voucher. Right, right. Gotcha. So you guys have a lot of other businesses that you've opened up and a lot of other opportunities that you've taken advantage of. So after you had the Baby Elephant Boutique Hotel and then you came up with this gift voucher idea in order to get through the pandemic, you know, what else have you done? What other opportunities have you seized upon? Having a business in Australia, my the CCP, your catering people, is actually based on a university campus. Okay. Um, and we're catering and we're a food business. I supply food for um, university students, visiting um, academics, the academics on staff, the administrative people. So overnight, on the third week of February, I just lost 90% of the business and 80% of my staff. Wow. I can say that I've cried a lot of tears. Yeah. Um, And because my business actually is what has given us the opportunity to look after Cambodia. So not only was I losing on the ground over here, but it also meant that we had to think creatively, how can we sustain Cambodia without me doing well here in Australia. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what we did was, and thank God for Inez coming up from Melbourne because it was tough going for, a, you know, probably six to eight weeks. The government kept saying here in Australia, we're going to help you, we're going to help you, but nothing came through. Mm. So I had a lot of people to look after, up to 60, 70 people um, we employ Mm. um, and myself you know this is how I stay afloat right you know we really needed to stay afloat somehow with nothing so we started doing um, home delivered frozen meals to um, within the community and because I've got a liquor license we were able to deliver alcohol as well wow so So you we pivoted really quickly wow what a what an amazing pivot so you were just I just want to get this straight so you were a university only catering company and you've pivoted to be a home food services company, really, and alcohol, alcohol as well. Yeah, alcohol delivery <laughs> yeah, as well. We're straight up. I just thought, how are we going to do this? Yeah. Um, because there was also a food shortage straight up. You know, butchers, the, the supply chains in Australia just went ballistic. Yeah. So okay. we thought, gosh, we've got to keep the community fed. We know people can't get out. Some people were totally in lockdown. Mm. So we delivered these beautiful and I've got the most amazing chefs. Uh, so we did the chef prepared meals that could be reheated in the oven or frozen mm. and got really good prices, very good nutritional value. And guess what? We'll bring a bottle of wine as well. So <laughs> you're okay. It sounds so ideal. Okay. <laughs> it was a wonderful thing to do, but it also gave us that little bit of cash flow um, yeah. and gave us a little bit of hope. Inez has been working on the is e-business side of things, which is not easy to do because, you know, you can't just change things overnight. Mm. So that's, I could let her talk about that. But talk about pivoting. I always think of a pirouette, you know, well, I'm the probably a star ballerina now because I am <laughs> pirouetting like you wouldn't believe. We have to, we have to think about cash flow. Otherwise, mm. we can't look after people. Yeah. So COVID has been 
you know, there's so many layers of hardship that has come with it, but we are never giving up. And that's what the staff in Cambodia have taught me. We never, ever give up. Wow. So your staff in Cambodia are partially why you've built this uh, this inner resilience that has been so useful. Yeah, not just that, but here as well. You know, I employ people who will never get another chance at working. You know, I've got yeah. I've been winning awards for um, employer, disability employer of the year. And, you know, I just make sure that people who really want to work can have a chance. Yeah, so, that's beautiful. That is my, my every day. That's my driving ambition. So you guys pivoted your um, boutique hotel. You've pivoted mm-hmm. your catering business. What else have you done? <laughs> so at the moment, um, we're looking at starting up a drive-through cafe, um, which, yeah, so based in Toowoomba, um, this will kind of help protect us if, in case there is another lockdown. Um, people will still be able to get a coffee and get something delicious yeah. <laughs> from the safety of their cars. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, um, we've been working on that pretty solidly for about six weeks now and looking to open in the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah, you know so what, been, that is an amazing yeah. idea. It actually is. <laughs> yeah, and I know, you. I know it sounds <laughs> cheesy, but I, here's, okay, this is going to sound terrible. This is going to sound really American, you guys. One of the things that I miss the most about the States were the drive through Starbucks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. not it's a cheesy. thing. Yeah, it's not a thing yeah. in Australia. And part, I think some of the most brilliant businesses come from like, I'm sure you guys, when you've traveled to the States, because you all are big travelers, like you probably noticed all of the drive through conveniences and things like that. Absolutely. If your area doesn't have them, why not seize the opportunity to create something like that? Yeah, totally. We have, a, we have a few, but we're really doing it in our way, our style. Yeah. 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 Um, Differentiating. yeah so that's kind of, mm. yeah, hoping to kind of protect ourselves from um, future, future business interruptions in case they were to pop up and also to extend business to our current staff. So making sure that there's more work for our staff to, to go into during these times and serving a need in the community as well like having that convenience yeah. is so great to have I think that's where you're really nailing it everywhere is that you're you're serving people in every way like not just yourselves as business owners but also the community first and your people first and it's great to yeah. speak with you about this and and see this angle it's it's really amazing and quite unique which um it shouldn't be that unusual but I feel like you've got a really unique business model in that sense, oh, which is awesome. Thank you. That's very nice. The <laughs> other thing that is just is really impressive as about you guys as a team is just you you're really truly lateral thinkers. Like every it must run in the family or something. But it's always <laughs> like, you know, you guys are like, well, we started this boutique hotel and then we, you know, we have this catering business and now we've got this drive through cafe idea. And it is all hospitality, but it's so unique, each of your ideas. And it seems like instead of kind of getting down in the dumps about, oh man, you know, what are we going to do? Why is this happening to us? You know, we work in this industry that was the, one of the hardest hit industries. You're like, okay, how do we pivot? You know, it's like very yeah. little time. And it seems by talking to you, this is one conversation, but it doesn't seem like you spent very much time dwelling on the bad, you more pivoting toward the good. Yeah, yeah I think that's definitely true. Do you think that yeah. working together as a family has meant that you have that greater resilience. Do you think that's the secret ingredient of your success is that you're actually working together as a family? Oh, definitely. I think 
this year has been so incredibly stressful and without each other's support and having each other's backs, I don't think any of us could have done it. Um, so I think that knowing that we all are, are stronger together and realizing our differences and, and supporting each other, not only just as um, team members or, you know, co-founders or business owners, um, but also as family that, you know, we, we didn't, we couldn't give up because we all had to keep going together. Yeah. That's amazing. Absolutely. I do have a question. Does one person have the final say? Like, how do you sort through disagreements? Because I'm sure, I mean, I know if me and my sister would be arguing over certain things sometimes and just not letting loose, like you wouldn't with a, a co-worker, for example. So do you, how do you structure your relationship as business owners together and I how do you differentiate? Probably, yeah, I think that's probably a Carmel question as the mother. Um, <laughs> it doesn't run smoothly. We're really three very strong women with very strong opinions um, and we don't have many days where we don't have um, to uh, calm ourselves down. But the thing is we wake up every new day and we actually have make sure that we wake up and we overcome the obstacles. You know, it's about the trust. We can't dwell on those sort of negativities. Mm-hmm. So now when it comes to the ultimate decision-making, it, it is me. I'm the CEO of the companies. Um, we, we do collaborate and we all have different roles, but my real skill is in um, accounting mm-hmm. and I'm really, I read a balance sheet like a novel and I love it. Mm-hmm. I love doing cash flows. I love to create something out of nothing. Uh, so when it comes down to ultimate decision-making, it is it is me. Someone's got to take it. <laughs> so does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering, has there ever been an instance when, where you were wrong about something and you had to go oh. back and think, oh, man, like could you guys talk? Because it's hard, sometimes it's harder to admit to your family that you've been wrong than it is to like a coworker or something. You know, it feels more personal. Because we're all lifelong learners, we're kind of um, more willing to admit when we're wrong. Yeah. Because we continually challenge ourselves to kind of grow and and learn. You know, we really encourage that in for all of our staff. So in order to be good leaders, we need to be, you know, learning all the time and and growing and and becoming better in as leaders. So I I think personally we're pretty good at at recognizing when we're wrong and admitting it. Yeah, um, we all own up, you know. And then God, forgiving and, and moving on, you know. Like <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. As I said, we've worked yeah. together for a long time. So um, if we're wrong, we just have to own up to it and keep moving. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For people listening who are thinking about starting a business with a family member, whether it is mum or dad or, or sister or brother, what would your kind of golden nugget of advice be for people that are starting out? What's the biggest thing you've learnt? Okay. See your mum. So what <laughs> yeah. would my advice be to someone thinking about going into business with family? Mm. There is an old saying that actually says you should never um, work with uh, family or animals. And guess what? To me, that's the biggest pleasure. You know, I would say jump in, do it, but realise that uh, you have to forgive. Mm. You have to encourage each other to actually make mistakes so we can grow. 
mm-hmm. and um, you won't get a big better supporter than someone in your family because it's about love and, you know, we just love each other so much that we support each other to grow. Oh, so do it. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> I would say um, the the hardest times are in the early days and just like with any co-worker it takes a little while to figure out the rhythm uh, so uh, be patient and uh, make sure that you're really um, listening to how your family member works and trying to um, ensure that you know that there's going to be a future in which it won't be difficult mm. uh, so just stay the course and um, once you figure each other's work styles out you start to get stronger and things get much easier and you become more agile. Yeah, and I would say remember that overall you, you you are still family and you are still friends and you still love each other. So there's going to be tough times where you're going to have run-ins or you know tough times in business where you might have to make some big calls. But ultimately, you you won't get a better support um, team than your sister or your mother or your family member. So yeah, just realizing that and remembering that. Beautiful. Well, we want to uh, support you guys for those out there that want to buy gift vouchers for future travel or want to connect with you on any of your businesses. Tell us where to find you. We're all over the internet, but if you just look for Baby <laughs> Elephant CM Reap, <laughs> um, Baby, Baby Elephant. Elephant CM Reap, the, the gift voucher portal is um, goodgifts.babyelephant.asia. Okay. But you can find that if you go to babyelephant.asia too. Uh, and we're on social media. Beautiful. So if we just search we baby elephant connecting hotel. with new followers. Uh, beautiful. So if on what's your at on Instagram? Because a lot of people try to find our our guests on Instagram. Baby Elephant Boutique Hotel. Beautiful. And hashtag baby elephant SR for CM Reap. So baby elephant SR. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was amazing to speak to you all and I feel so inspired now. Yeah, I'm rethinking. I'm like, maybe I could go into business with my brother. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. Just maybe, maybe. Sylvie and Nat, I've loved it too. Thank you very much. Thank you. You guys have a good one. You too. too. Thank Thank you. you. This podcast was brought to you by Invoice to Go. We're an invoicing and billing app that helps business owners work and get paid from anywhere at any location around the globe. We're helping close the gender-based pay gap. Because the current U.S. pay gap sits at around 19%, listeners of the Female Founders Network podcast get exactly 19% off of any subscription. Just enter the code EMPOWERWOMEN at checkout.